Food, water, shelter, and nesting are all vital to attracting birds to your backyard. Multiple food sources are also helpful. Shop a wide variety of feeders, waterers, and bird food at Blaine's Farm and Fleet to keep your feathered friends happy and healthy all year long. Lutefisk is a Norwegian staple here in Wisconsin and across the Midwest. I'm Stephanie Hoff for the Midwest Farm Report. And as we approach the holidays, the demand for lutefisk is going up. Chris Dorf, the president of Olson Fish Company in Minneapolis, gives us some insight on what's going on in the lutefisk industry. But first, he describes for us what it is and what it tastes like. Well, lutefisk started centuries ago, and it was just the the main deal is just because it was a way to preserve the fish. Um, in northern Norway, they could harvest the massive amounts of cod that would come in, and they could just hang it up and dry it because they had ideal weather conditions for not too cold, not too warm, good sun and wind. So they could just dry this fish, take all the moisture out, and it was basically a preservation method. The lutefisk part of it is just basically the reconstituting process that it goes through where, you know, soaking it with water and like birch ashes and that just tradition just stuck for for centuries where that's still what we make now. And Olson Fish Company prides itself on that old fashioned way of making lutefisk. But as times have changed, the process has changed with technology and sanitation. Olson Fish Company started in 1910 making lutefisk and pickled herring, but the lutefisk has refined so much even in 110 years as far as what's being done because now when we import it, we import these dried fillets from Norway that the the cod is is filleted and then the skin is removed and the bones are removed and and then it's dried in a, a, a drying room where they control the temperatures and the humidity and the airflow and it's just a much more sanitary process than than uh, having the fish hang out. So we put it now through a two-week process of reconstituting that it basically involves some freshwater bass. Then we add a food-grade caustic soda or sodium hydroxide, which raises the pH way up and allows you to, to soak it and extend that shelf life. So when you're soaking it in water, it'll continue to take water on, but it will not spoil or or start to decay. So, you know, after about two weeks of, of baths and rinsing and fresh water, we basically have fresh lutefisk available for, for the whole country, and which, of course, a lot of that business is in Wisconsin and the Midwest. We sell it to a lot of distributors and wholesalers that would cater to the the restaurants and the grocery stores that carry it. But also a big part of our um, customer base is a lot of the uh, Lutheran churches and lodges that have these annual events, or at least in the past has had these e- annual events, serving hundreds and hundreds of people on lutefisk and meatballs and lefts and stuff like that. So if you're ever wanting to try it, that is my suggestion to you where you should go find it and try it because you have people that have been preparing it for for decades that know what they're doing. And you can get all the other good fixings to go along with it. What does preparing lutefisk look like? It's really not rocket science to prepare it. Somebody takes it home if you bake it or you boil it or whatever. It's just the key is that you can't overcook it because then you end up with mush. When you talk about these big lutefisk dinners, I think of the driftless region of Wisconsin at restaurants and churches. But during the pandemic, that all kind of had to stop. Did that impact your business? Oh, yeah, huge. I mean, 
last year our our lutefisk business was probably uh, 20% of what it normally was because not only did I mean there was virtually I I, I know of maybe a handful of churches that tried uh, either carry out meals last fall or just a pickup thing or some that even did some deliveries. Other places placed orders where they just distributed lutefisk to the the locals that you know still wanted to get some good fresh fish. Yeah, it was huge. So the really the only lutefisk we sold last year was what went to the grocery stores, and usually it's a meal that's centered around a gathering, like a turkey would be at Thanksgiving. That lutefisk is going to be a a family celebration event, and. And let's face it, those things didn't really happen much last year either. So, yeah, last year was bad. Now, this year, I would say we maybe have 25, 30% of the churches and lodges that are actually returning to having some sort of a function. And we've already seen the Lutefus sales, even with this really warm weather we've had, we've seen the Lutefus sales ahead of our normal pace this early into the fall. So, so, so that's good. Are our holidays usually the busiest? time of year then? Yeah, I mean, we'll soak lutefisk from September through um, May or Satnamai um, because there's usually some events in the spring and stuff too, but I would say 90% of lutefisk we sell is October through December, really through Christmas. Our business and building gets very, very busy this time of year. I mean, we go from a crew of about 15 production workers that are here year-round to probably 25 to 30 and working a lot of extra hours just trying to get everything done. Because not only does the lutefisk business ramp up, but, but our pickled herring business, you know, that doubles during this, this holiday season too. So Oh, yes. Yeah. So we're used to seeing that pickled herring out on the spread for a football game or as an appetizer before dinner during a holiday. Chris, when you are approaching the busy season, how do you ramp up for it? And are you seeing any supply chain issues? Oh, yeah, I'll tell you what, these last two years have been, I think they've they've caused a lot more gray hair on my head. Fortunately, I, I'm not pioneering what we've done with all the history that we have. I'm, I, when I started as the president's company, just basically getting, um, you know, following the suit of what we normally do as far as, you know, bringing in raw materials and, and the ingredients and packaging and scheduling manpower. You know, we, we've done that all, but now the last couple of years we've had to do this thing so much further in advance and and it's it's an absolute challenge every day for packaging and and certain ingredients that lead times have just gone insane and and importing stuff right now across the ocean i mean we have all seen in the news what's going on with these these cargo ships that can't even get in. And so, so many of the little ingredients that go into packaging or go into anything that we're doing here are on those ships or just supply chain is a mess. What is it specifically? Is it like cans? Is it the fish itself? Is it salt? One of the things that was most recent, caustic soda for for our lutefisk has been in short supply. One of the things that isn't maybe related to lutefisk, which is just in 25 years I've been here, I've never experienced is vinegar. All of the companies that produce vinegar are allotting it and 
you can't get vinegar when you need it. And let's face it, if you don't, if you're in the pickling business and you don't have vinegar, that's a huge challenge. And I still have not put my finger on on why or what it is. Me and my staff here have theorized that the ethyl alcohol that they make vinegar out of maybe some of that raw material has shifted to producing sanitizers and stuff for COVID. Or I, you know, it's just our little theory, but. It's been very challenging. The packaging has probably been the worst. Plastic and glass and metal uh, caps, cardboard, all the corrugated stuff is is very uh, a much, much longer lead time, double or triple the normal lead time. Chris, now I want to ask about the demographics eating lutefisk. It's a traditional dish. So is it just the older generations that are eating it or are younger people taking interest? No, unfortunately, it, I I don't see it that way. I don't think as many young people are willing to pick it up and, and take it home and try it. Uh, I think there's so much bad jokes about it and everything out there that I think people are afraid of it. I would say our demographic is definitely more in, heavy into the, um, the senior citizens uh, of our country. And so with that in mind, we've seen our sales drop every year on lutefisk. I mean, when I started here in 95, we were making about half a million pounds of lutefisk a year. And since that time, we added, we purchased another lutefisk company, which he was maybe making 150,000 pounds. So we now make probably about 300,000 pounds, you know, out of, so it's half of what it was 25 years ago. Do you guys so, focus on any kind of marketing or anything like that to, I don't know, light the fire in young people to, to start trying it and take it up? It's really difficult to do with the kind of following you have because marketing is expensive. We, we used to try to sponsor a lot of different Scandinavian festivals. You know, there's a big um, deal out in Minot every year, Minot, North Dakota, that's called the Host Fest. And we've always sponsored that and some other ones where there was lutefisk involved or sampling so you can get people to try it. And I, I belong to a, a a house church where we gather and do a potluck every every other week. at, at um, and, and I hosted here just this past Monday. And there's about 25 people there that are, you know, in their... 40s to 60s, and and so many of them had never tried it, and I actually brought home lutefisk and cooked it as part of the potluck deal, and had so many people try it, and yeah, and, and so many people that tried it were like, well, this is pretty good. I, you know, I mean, there's not a lot of flavor to it. It's really melted butter, I and and salt and pepper or whatever. You know, some people put cream sauce over it. When when we used to do this festival up in Moorhead every year and we'd cook samples, I'd have so many people be like, oh, it tastes just like lobster. And it's like, yeah, that's the melted butter, you know. So <laughs> if it's cooked right, you know, you can have a decent flaky texture. And for those that are that, that like codfish or cod or, or seafood, it, it's something usually appeals to them as long as it's prepared right. You know, younger generations, they're really interested in sustainability conservation and where their food comes from right so i mean do you guys pride yourselves on anything like that or yeah absolutely that's um there's been a lot of things that i you know some things i don't even think about the decisions that we make here um with uh, you know with our with with our building and our operation first of all i mean we we put on a, a like a white reflective roof across the whole building to try to you know save energy and then 
two years ago, we added uh, solar panels across our whole roof to, you know, help offset some of the electrical costs. And and in two years, I've been amazed the amount of energy that we've saved that way. So, you know, those sorts of things, we upgraded all of our lighting inside, so it's all lower energy LED. But then on the fish side of stuff, all of our lutefisk comes from a codfish out of Norway that's actually certified as um, sustainable by the Marine Stewardship Council. Olson Fish Company carries that certification as well, so that we're still you know, certifying that it's sustainable to our customers. The lutefisk is actually all line cod as well, so the cod is, it's not like they're going out with big nets or dragging stuff across the bottom to catch these fish. They're all cod on line, so that's usually when you find the higher quality cod because they're able to remove the fish while it's still alive off of a hook and make sure that it doesn't die in a net, which leads to, you know, stuff that happens in the meat that's not great, even if it's in really cold water. So all of our lutefisk and then a majority of our herring too, a, a, a very high percentage of it we're importing from Norway that's actually certified sustainable as well with the MSCs. So there's so many, there's a lot of customers in the retail world now that they're demanding it. That, that that's what you have to do. How does workforce look like for you, and are you doing anything unique to keep labor? I feel we have one of our best crews ever this year, and and that even includes some of the seasonal people that we've brought in. Well, we're, we're located right in Minneapolis, very close to downtown, and so there's access to a lot of people. The timing of when a lot of those incentives for unemployment went away was good for us because that was the timing of when we started needing ramping up. We also had to make decisions to increase wages substantially, just like, boom, I'm sorry. Okay, guys, I'm not losing any more of my employees. We're going to give everybody across the board a, uh, this wage increase so I can raise, raise the starting wage. And then we also offer, we're a union company, so everybody's getting full benefits. Actually, their whole family does, and it's all 100% paid by Olson Fish Company. So there's some pretty good incentives there for for those that want to make this a, a their their career or a long long term job. But last year was bad. Um, this year so far, knock on wood, it's it's been okay for us. But it hasn't come without a cost either. You know, here's the deal for us is that I looked at all these. I mean, costs of every ingredient packaging thing has just been going up like three, four times a year. If I'm going to have to raise my prices because of that, then you know what? I'm just going to raise my prices also because of labor along with it and just ensure that we've got the people here to to make what we need. Again, that's Chris Dorf, the president of Olson Fish Company in Minneapolis, Minnesota, where they are gearing up for holiday production of lutefisk and pickled herring. For the Midwest Farm Report, I'm Stephanie Hoff.